Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And the last time the message was titled, Grace to Gratefulness. Yeah, I could have titled it Back to Grace again because this woman, um, don't know who she is, it's not recorded what she says, but she just shows an act of appreciation for Jesus. Um, She must have had a rough life and, you know, she understands who he is as the Messiah He said her sins were forgiven, and um, it just was an encouraging portion of Scripture. This, the last few Sundays were just kind of those types of messages where uh, we get ministered to. You know, it's something that helps to lift us up. Even 2,000 years later, uh, you know, we we struggle with things, right? So definitely get it if you haven't, especially if you're going through something. Today, the message is titled, The Parable of the Soils. And this is going to be the first out of two sermons, the parable of the soils. And this is an interesting scripture because the soils are reflective of the human heart. Now, this is kind of interesting because, you know, in Hebrew culture, you look back in the Old Testament, uh, even in Greek culture, they used uh, visceral components of the body, maybe organs inside to express feelings. Although when we talk about our heart, we're really not talking about the four-chamber cardiac muscle that sits under the sternum, but we're talking about things that uh, help us to understand sensibilities, the emotions, the will, the intellect, right? Um, You know, when you... Well, it's kind of an interesting thing. I can't help but always going back to anatomy and physiology with the vagus nerve, and there's various nerve components that attach the brain the mind, the emotions to our visceral system, right? This is where you get butterflies and anxiety and different things, right? So the the visceral part of the body reflects what's going on in the head and the mind. Uh, But for the sake of today, we're going to look at how people hear the Word of God, hear the gospel of salvation, and also how they respond to it. We're going to look at this in five parts. So jumping into Luke 8. Starting with verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities or sicknesses, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's servant, steward. He knows who Herod is, right? He's in the royal court and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So one out of five is in addition to the twelve. Now, in Luke's gospel, he gives us some specifics. He actually names some of the women followers of Jesus. Uh, In Mark's gospel, 4.10, we're also going to refer to that, he's more general. He speaks about in addition to the twelve, along with the twelve, okay? But both of them show us that when Jesus walked the earth, a lot of people think it was just Jesus and 12 guys that walked around with him. There was a lot of followers, right? There was a lot of followers. And this really plays into the parable of the soils. What did they hear Jesus say? 
When did their heart change? When was there uh, a reception to the Word of God where they actually put actions to their beliefs, right? But who were these ladies? Well, A, Mary Magdalene. Seven demons were cast out of her. Poor Mary Magdalene. She probably had a rough time when she had these demons, right? And sadly enough, and some of you might be surprised when I say folklore tells us that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Well, it says that nowhere in Scripture. Right? Folk law, tradition, also says that Mary Magdalene was the wife of Jesus, which is even more ridiculous. So it's, this is why we need to know the Bible. Because there's all kinds of things out there that are mixed with uh, different belief systems that don't reflect who God really is. Uh, Joanna, wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. So you see a connection to the government. A government that was opposed to Jesus and John the Baptist. Fascinating to see that connection there. As a matter of fact, many in the Roman government were disillusioned with the Greco-Roman pantheon and turned to Jesus uh, as their Savior. We also see Susanna and others that provided for Jesus from their substance, or they supported the ministry because they believed in it. You know, and folks, this is we kind of can look at our lives and ask ourselves the same questions, right? People go church to church, they watch sermon to sermon. Maybe some are just looking to be uplifted, but we, there's the 12. We understand who the 12 are. They had a specific role. But we would fit into one or two categories. We would be those along with the 12, because God had the Lord Jesus as followers for 2,000 years. Uh, we also could be in the category, which we wouldn't want to be, of the fickle crowd. The fickle crowd came for a free meal. They came to feel good, they came to be uplifted, but they really had no intention on having a relationship with with the Lord or following Him. So we're going to see that a lot here. Verse 4, continuing on, it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and others had come to Him from every city, He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried passionately, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. And the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So two out of five is an unremarkable farm story? Question mark. So let's look at the symbols of this parable, because parables have symbols. Seed. Well, we can look at this as God's Word, the Gospel. Whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, 
The more you study the Bible, they're in harmony. New Testament is just a fulfillment. Um, we also know that Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I want to take you to also Isaiah 55 in the Old Testament. Isaiah 55.10-11 through 11. I thought I had it marked. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, and it says, For as the rain comes down, think about the precipitation cycles, and the snow from heaven, and does not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, this is an Old Testament parable that God shares, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, and it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God's word is powerful. And we're going to, as we go through these examples of the different soils, I'm going to give you real life examples of things that I've experienced, things that I've seen. That's what really makes it pop, that application. So we understand it better. But the word is going to do one of two things. It's going to, just like the sun, right? The sun, the same sun that melts the ice, on a really hot day, put some ice out there, pretty soon it's a puddle of water, that same sun hardens the clay. Same sun, two different substrates, two different results. The word goes out there, two different hearts, four different hearts, four different results. We're going to see that. The sower, well, we can see in the parable, Jesus using this parable, no, no doubt Jesus is sowing the word of God. He's sowing the gospel of salvation. But later on, right, for thousands of years, his followers have, have been doing that. Fruit, very important. Fruit is what we produce after our lives are truly changed after receiving God's word, salvation, the gospel, right? Changed character. However, it doesn't stop there. Faith without works is dead, we're told in the scripture. See, People get it backwards. They think, I have to do works to get saved. No, 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 no. You're saved by grace, by Jesus Christ. But when we're saved, our heart changes the character, and then we want, to, we want to do. We can't help. We want to be a part of God's plan and His kingdom. So faith without works is dead. Devotion, right? These are all spiritual fruit. However, this morning, if you're not receptive to spiritual things, all you're going to hear maybe is a better way to plant your vegetables. And that's a good thing. But what God really cares about is where you spend eternity. So hear what's, what Jesus is being said and find the deeper understanding that the disciples and the ones with the disciples were looking for. It, it, this this kind of was a pattern. Jesus would preach to the crowds. Some of the people would leave. The ones who were really serious would stay and ask when you know the seeker-friendly people were gone, they would ask Jesus, what does the parable mean? And he would go into detail and explain it. It wasn't a secret elite club, right? Just like today, you want to know more about God's word? It's, that's great. You know, God wants to provide you those answers. Verse 8, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It has everything to do with today's message. I also think of the words in Greek, the, the Koine Greek, very expressive. Uh, we talked about last Sunday, to see. Right? What do you see? Well, I see things. Right? There's an image that's, 
you know, going into my eyeball and it's, it's calculated into a digital message and it's sent up the optic nerve into the brain and I perceive an image. But when Jesus talked about seeing, he was talking about going deeper than that. What's the spiritual? What are you seeing spiritual? So he says, he who has ears to hear, well, everybody knew. Jesus, what are you talking about? God gave us ears to hear. It's the same thing. We process sounds all the time, even when we're sleeping. And the, the, uh, the information travels up the auditory nerve into the brain, and it captures that information. But Jesus was talking about something different. He was talking about hearing for the sake of what is God trying to tell you, not what sounds do you perceive or what languages or inflections or whatever you want to say. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. Verse 9, nine, if I could just go through this again, uh, going back to Luke... Verse 9 and 10. He says, then, or it says, then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? So here's his response. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, this is three. Something deeper, question mark. Something deeper. Disciples asked him, Mark 4.10, those with the twelve. Luke, the women who are also with the twelve. Right? You're starting to see a pattern here. Uh, we know that later on in the Gospels that there were about 70 or more followers that went two by two, house to house. And again, a lot of people, if they haven't read the Bible, they just think there was 12 guys. And that's not the case. Uh, Mark 6, he, his teaching became more powerful and some of the people left because they, they didn't hear with their spiritual hearing. They just heard on the surface and he didn't like what he said. And it said many of his followers followed, stopped following him because of these things. Right? So this is important. Um, we see that crowds often came out to be entertained. And the question for us is, do we want to be entertained by God's word or do we want to be involved? Right? There comes a point in time where we don't just receive anymore. We actually want to be a part of his plan. So are we part of the crowds, the entertainment? Right? You can go to a, a myriad of uh, online ministries or places that are just basically show ministries. Literally, they have, uh, it's, I've heard people say this to me. And they, they kind of tease me and say, when are you going to get the smoke machines? I'm like, do, they, do people really preach and blow smoke like literal smoke like yeah and there's a light show and so every once in a while i'll like they'll say hey check this out and I'll look at it and i'm like that's ridiculous like does god's word not does it does it need some pizzazz because it's it's not effective enough jesus didn't do all that stuff right so wh- where's our heart what are we looking for in verse 10 jesus gives the disciples affirmation and encouragement to know that his followers will be filled with the understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And this comes from Isaiah 6. Now, this is important that I say this because if you read it on first glance and you don't look at the accompanying Gospels and you don't look at Isaiah 6 where this was taken from, you might think that Jesus was saying, you could read it wrong, where he was purposely speaking in parables so that people would be prohibited from understanding the mysteries of God. It's actually not true. It's for everyone, right? It's not this esoteric, and I've heard some of these teachings, you know, come follow our teaching. We, we have some hidden knowledge that nobody else knows. That's just a great way to get followings and have control over people, but that's not reflected in Scripture. In Isaiah's day, 
the 8th century B.C., when the Assyrians were coming towards Jerusalem, you know, God shared His truths with Isaiah. It's a beautiful picture of how He appears to Isaiah. And He also shares this, this sort of parable type of talking. Uh, and, you know, Isaiah kind of asks, what's, what's my role? What do I have to do? And God said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, most of the people aren't going to listen to you. But you need to give the word out anyway. It's free will. So many will but the majority probably won't. And it was a really bad time in Israel's history. So when Jesus comes, it's sort of a depressing time too. People have hard hearts. But understand that, you know, anybody here today, you want to understand more about God, He's more than happy to reveal Himself to you. So the soil, the receptive hearts, will determine if God's Word is rejected or accepted, and if it's accepted, to produce fruit. Right? In this world, many are seekers. They fancy getting closer to God, but they don't let God in too far. And we're going to see this with the soils. They don't get saved. And much of this parable has to do with who gets saved, who doesn't, and why. Right? No excuses. Today, many will apply themselves to learning a new sport, learning an instrument, a foreign language. I mean, I've done some of these. It's not easy to do. And it takes persistence. Right? It takes You have to retrain your brain to learn something new. Um, an advanced degree, but they don't give any effort to understanding spiritual things. So the things of the world, they really want to hunker down and understand this. But when it comes to spiritual things, I don't have time for it. Isn't that sad? I mean, that's where we're going to spend eternity. First Timothy 2.4 says that God desires all to be saved. But the corollary to that is not all want to be saved. Matthew 13.17 Again, it's a a parallel scripture. Jesus says to the apostles, or the followers, the twelve and then the others, He says, Assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So even Jesus is saying, this information that I'm sharing with you, right? Jesus is the Messiah. He's God the Son. Isaiah spoke about the coming of Jesus. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, Moses. I mean, they all spoke about the coming of Jesus, but they died before actually seeing it because it was hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, after their deaths. And Jesus is saying, here it's being fulfilled. You really need to listen to this. Uh, you You don't understand the spiritual impact of what you're receiving right now. So it's kind of neat, this this sort of lead up to what he's going to say. And by contrast, verse 8, in chapter 8, he says, Jesus says, Others fell on deceit, fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop a hundredfold. And he said, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. A bountiful crop, spiritual fruit. The truth is that every believer produces spiritual fruit. Now it's different amounts. Someone who has more means or more of an audience can produce, I don't know, maybe more fruit. But to God, the person who ministers to the elderly or just spends a lot of time one-on-one and maybe the history books don't write about that Christian, God sees it. And he might even see more of a worth in what the latter did than the former. It's quite possible. So every believer produces spiritual fruit. However, sadly, some may never grow much because they don't necessarily want to grow much. And that's tragic. But the seed has important potential. 
You know, my wife is a master gardener, and, and I'm kind of getting used to, it's so funny, she'll say, what is, what is this plant that just popped up? I'm like, it's a coleus. She goes, very good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm learning hibiscus, coleus, you know, what's an annual, what's a perennial, and, and she tells me everything is about the soil, and it's true. And you may say, well, what about the water? Aha, but depending the type of soil you have, if it's too sandy, right, what happens is it doesn't hold the water, so you have to amend the soil. I'm going to get an A when I go home. She's going she's to grade me after this. And we also have rescue horses, so we, um, and they're always um, defecating, uh, and horse manure is like magic. You can put it on anything, and it'll grow. So soil, you can amend the soil to turn it from something that's substandard to something that's very rich. We, we do composting, uh, you know, the, the leaves fall and they, they break down into the ground and, and there's uh, vegetation debris that breaks down, horse manure, the sand, and everything together, and we kind of leave it there, and a few months later we'll, we'll turn it over and it's, it's got the earthworms in it, which is, which is a great sign. And the soil is like black. It's jet black. And I call it black gold. And I say, whatever you plant in that thing, it is going to grow. So, are our hearts black gold in a good way, right? To receive the little seed. Some of the most mightiest trees, and it could take them a hundred years or more. We have uh, an oak on our property that's it's got to be close to 100 feet tall with branches that extend and cover and its shaded area. Uh, it's a phenomenal tree. I don't know how long it's been there. But they all start with a seed. So the seed, let's go back to the Word of God, the seed can just be left somewhere without a substrate, without a medium, and it just it dies. Nothing happens. Or the seed with a lot of love and care and soil and the moisture that's found in the soil can become over a hundred years a mighty tree, an incredible tree that towers over and gives its shade to whatever is under it in the summertime. And our hearts are the same thing, right? The soil, the soil types are reflected in the human heart. The question is, what type of hearts do we have? And some people, they, again, they, they, can, they can know this pastor and that pastor, know all these ministries. They could take in all this information like a sponge, but they never do anything with it. It's not convenient. It doesn't fit into their schedule, right? The principle of the sponge, absorb, 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 and then squeeze it out onto others, right? The overflow of the Holy Spirit, that's what we're looking for. So as a church, we work together actually as a community, to receive and to give. And this is a constant thing that we should be doing. And again, the giving could be minor. It doesn't, doesn't have to reach the ears of the pastor or the news media. As long as God is approving of it, that's all that matters. And it doesn't, small and big, are not really in His economy when it comes to spiritual fruit that we produce. Verses 11 through 15, the seed in the soils. Um, Seed in the soils. Powerful stuff. Let's see what happens. Jumping into verse 12. So we're going to do, for the sake of time, the wayside heart, because there's a lot to this. And then we're going to save the last three hearts for next Sunday. All right? But this is, this is good stuff. He says, Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, 
lest they should believe and be saved. Okay? Now remember, it isn't, this is very important, right? You gotta take the whole Bible together. Can somebody lose their salvation? Absolutely not. Jesus tells us, right? The only thing Satan as demonic hordes could do is make our lives miserable, possibly take our lives, but our souls can never be taken. That's not what's being said here. This person with the negative influences from the world and the demonic realm acting in conjunction with the individual's will are allowing those seeds to be picked off. And we'll talk about what that means. So, the wayside. What was the wayside when Jesus was speaking? The wayside was you would have your rows. And you see this today, the farmers have rows. I'm actually learning a lot about farming because I just love agriculture now and just even the old ways that they used to do it and how they would have these incredibly straight lines and before modern equipment, how they would, you see all these you know, crops in a straight line. But the wayside was the place in the farm where there was a lot of foot traffic. Right? The farmer had to move back and forth. It's possible that there was a, a public access that went through the fields and you see that today. People take shortcuts. So the wayside is the place where this, it's compacted. Keyword, it's hardened. This type of person is hard-hearted. They put up a wall. God's Word is not going to get to me. And let me tell you something. If, if that's you today, you need to consider where you are, where your heart is. Because God is trying to reach you through this message. And if, you, if you're getting uncomfortable and thinking, wow, that might be me, maybe there's a reason you're here. Maybe there's a reason you're watching on the live stream. Right? God, this is one of those incredibly powerful um, powerful parables. Now, I have to, a little caveat. Um, we have a lot of birdhouses. We love the birds. You know, we've all these different colors, so pretty, like the yellow finches and the blue jays. It's pretty neat stuff, right? Um, God loves the birds. He made the birds. But for the sake of this parable, <laughs> for the sake of the parable, the birds represent the demonic realm picking the seeds and flying off with them, okay? Snatching them away. Now, this type of person can hear an evangelist or see or read a scripture, but is immediately negative towards the word. So let me give you some examples. Here's a word of encouragement. I believe that hearts can change because mine did. Um, initially, when I would hear evangelists or I would hear preaching or even see scripture, it's so weird. Like I wanted to go to heaven. I fancied myself being a religion, being in a religion. But when somebody real preached and spoke about the word, I, I just viscerally had a, a negative reaction to it. So I was this. However, life happened to me. You know, the, the, steel, uh, the steel plow of, of the farmers, you know, it can break up that hard ground. And life changed my heart to where I was able to receive it. But here, again, let me firsthand and also for, for others that have experienced this or others that I've heard, you literally say to yourself, if you have a wayside heart, if the thought comes in, the Word of God, receive Jesus, you immediately have a counter. Now, it can come from your flesh or it could come from outside, i.e. the demonic realm. Here's, a, here's an example. And you say to yourself, are you going to become a Jesus freak? What, are you going to become a Bible thumper? I had thought some of these things in the beginning. So it's like those, the seeds are being picked off. Jesus freak. If you follow Jesus, you're not a freak. You're actually you're in a good place, right? 
a Bible thumper. I'm not really sure of the thumping part. Maybe you bang it. I don't know what, what it is. I never really looked it up. Here's one. What, are you, what will your friends think of this? How are you going to sell this to your friends? Yeah. When you go home, what's your parents going to think about this? You know, they're elderly and, and you know, they, they're, you're going to make them unsettled. It's going to bother them. These are the things that are said. So right away, pluck, 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 those seeds are removed. Over the years, um, you know, I'm just an observer by nature. This is a community church. We welcome everyone. I don't care what you look like, what you're wearing. You're welcome in this church. But I've had it where, um, you know, they're used to sort of a religion and they sit, they're settled. They probably laugh at one of Pastor Vinny's uh, skits. Then as soon as you, you open up the Bible and start reading the Bible, they're literally up. Not him, I know him. He's good. But that was perfect timing. Dave, perfect timing. Um, see, he, he showed an example. He'll be back. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. As soon as you start reading the Word, the person jumps up, they grab their kids, and they run out the door, and they never see them again. Isn't that sad? In John 14, Jesus gives us a litmus test, right? He goes, if you love me, you'll what? You'll follow my word. Jesus wants us to love his word. So why, when we would read especially the red letters, the words of Jesus, would anybody leave and be bothered by it? And there's a whole bunch of cultural things that uh, people expect on a Christmas service or Resurrection Sunday service, and they could be completely turned off when you actually start reading the word. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Does, does God know our heart or does he know our heart? Where do we get to the next three? The next two are incredible. Uh, the wayside, the hardened thought processes, right? Another way that the, the you know, we, we can get bombarded from a dream, a vision, uh, a preacher, something we see on TV, somebody gives you a scripture card, whatever. You're always going to run, you go past the billboard. It's the United States, Right. There's scriptures, right, that people put up where I live. Some of them have them on the side of their barn. It's kind of cool to look at. And so there's a lot of seeds that can come to the wayside, right, to that hardened person. And there's always a, an excuse of why they can't allow it to take root. Here's another one. I can't think about this now. I don't have time. I'm in school. Okay, well, if you become a believer and you get closer to God, driving the school or taking public transportation, the beautiful thing about prayer is you could do it inside. You don't have to use your lips. God knows, God hears. Is it really that hard to do? You're in school, big deal. But these are the excuses. I'm working overtime. I'm saving up for something. Okay, driving to work. Can you pray to the Lord? Can you consider Him? On a lunch break as you're eating, can you think about God? I have a vacation planned. It's summertime. Right? These are all the things that people use as excuses, you know. But they don't hold any water. They really don't. Listen, I hope that something I say today, again, we have a very large live stream audience, I hope that somebody listens and maybe is even bothered by it, irritated, right? Three o'clock in the morning, you wake up and you, you see my face and hear my words, right? <laughs> the wayside heart, the wayside heart. For, and seriously, to be haunted, and I don't mean like with ghosts, but just to, in a good way. And, and that was me. You know, I started coming to a Bible teaching church and I wasn't buying it right away. But it's funny, something, something about laying in bed. It's dark, there's not as much sound, and your brain starts to regurgitate information. And I was bothered by what I heard being preached in a good way. 
And I, was, I had to force myself to say, you either have to accept this or you have to reject it soundly and move on. And the heart, right? The emotions, the intellect, and the will. For me, just because I do a lot of analyzation and investigation, it's just who I am, and for some people it's the opposite. For me, it was the intellect first. Well, I'm either going to prove this or disprove this Christianity thing. Now you're pushing me to a place where I can't just accept it as some religion. Now I I have to have a relationship and God wants me to be closer. Like, that's a bad thing. So the intellect started to to work. And I started to realize in in my studies and, and such that it was true. Then the emotions start to take place. Well, God really loves me. Like, God really considers out of the billions of people, like, he can still talk to me and listen to me and and hear my prayers. So the emotions and then the will makes the decision. Do we accept it or do we reject it? Well, at some point, after a few rejections, I eventually accepted it. So why do I do this? Why do I expose myself to public scrutiny? Why do I study so much? Because, and I pray to God, I'm like, Lord, I'm all in. I am all in to see as many people saved as possible. Use me. You used a a dumb donkey in numbers to talk to Balaam. Um, Use me in whatever capacity you can use me because I want to see people get saved. And that's it. It's that simple. So it's good stuff. Each person has to evaluate their lives and honestly investigate what type of heart they have. Does it need plowing? Does it need weeding? Right? John 3.16 is real. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 10.17 is also real. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. However, Hebrews 3, reflected in the Old and the New Testament as well, in many places, is also real. God warns the hearers not to harden their hearts against Him. As you might have figured out now, this isn't just a church where we observe. This is a church where we where we get involved, right? Where we want to grow, where we want to bear fruit, where we want to be part of the kingdom. Can I tell you something? Read the news, man. I mean, there's so much bad stuff going on financially, sociologically, um, government-wise. I mean, it's just it's not just here. It's it's the whole world. The smarter we get, the more we grow in technology, there's more problems that plague the human condition. It's very simple. There's a lot of people out there who are scared. You can see the looks on their faces in public places. They're frightened. They don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. I can't imagine what would my life be like if I didn't have that close relationship with Jesus Christ. So don't harden your heart against Him. When we read the Word, especially a parable like this, it demands that we face ourselves and consider if we are truly in the faith or if we're just a face in the fickle crowd. God wants you to be the formal, the former. He won't trample over your free will, but He will do everything He possibly can to try to win you with His love towards you. So consider that today. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care.
You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.